This is the latest episode of Inside the Dressing Room, an exclusive podcast brought to you by LCFC Radio. Throughout the next hour, we'll get fascinating insight to what the Leicester City dressing room was like over three separate decades. This special guest joined the club in 1986 and didn't leave until after the turn of the century. From last-minute equalisers to playoff final doubles, we'll hear unique tales from a man that can truly be called a Foxes legend. That's a dangerous ball, that. And the keeper's beaten to it by Walsh has gone in. Steve Walsh. Chance. Two two. Yes, Walshie, welcome to Inside the Dressing Room, here a podcast by LCFC Radio. How are you doing? Not bad, Dan. Yes, very, very well. Co- coping under the circumstances, but uh, these difficult times at the minute, but I'm sure we'll get through it. Yeah, I mean, what better person to speak to about their time at Leicester City and, and particularly what dressing rooms were like in, in different eras than, than speaking to a man that played for Leicester for, what, 14 years? You won promotions, there was relegations there, you won League Cups, you scored some incredibly dramatic goals as well, Walshie. You really are an absolute icon of this football club. <laughs> well, thanks, uh, Dan. Yeah, uh, it is It's nice to be remembered. And, uh, you know, it was a roller coaster ride from start to finish, it really was. When I, when I think back now to uh, a wonderful career and... You know, uh, and and this is why I'm so attached to this football club. Is you know, 14 years in my 15th season, I think I was, um, and and sure, it could have been a little bit more than that if things that have, have been right, but uh, but obviously it wasn't. But it, it was, you know, like I say, from the first day I signed um, to the very end, um, and and still it's still going because I'm still working for the club, obviously now, and uh, I've got a very good relationship with. Uh, the owners with Susan Whelan, with the players and uh, managers that come in, they're very respectful. Um, it's, it's just a great place to be at, uh, Leicester City. You know, they're a wonderful club now in a great position. So uh, I've, I've done my bit for the club and um, paying the price, albeit with my <laughs> knees and my, my dodgy knees and, and all the injuries I had, I can tell you, you know, I can just about walk all right. I've tried a job these days and that's about it. So, uh, yeah. but uh, You wouldn't day. change it for the world though, would you? No, you, you know, you, you can't do it. It's uh, been an emotional ride, for, you know, like I say. Uh, you look back at the suspensions, the red cards, the injuries, the, the goals, the dramatic goals, like you said, and, and uh, played in, you know, the 90s. What, what an era that was when you think I played at Wembley. Well, Leicester were in seven uh, Wembley appearances, you know, and I think I played in six of those. Um, in total, I'm not sure if it's six or seven, but it, it, you know, I should it should have been seven because I should have been playing in, in that Tramia final for only for a stupid red card that uh, that I got. But uh, there you go. So yeah, uh, wonderful nineties and and great memories. Yeah, absolutely, Walshie and and Leicester fans, I'm sure remember that time so fondly and, and you certainly are one of the absolute icons and heroes of that time do you think though if I take you back all the way to, to 1986 though when you did sign obviously from Wigan you probably could never ever have imagined you'd achieve what you did achieve and, and be at the club for as long as you were 
No, um, I didn't think that at all, no. But I, I wanted the, the sole reason why I signed for Leicester in that first place was just to play in the first division, which is now the Premier League. And Leicester were in the first division. And um, Wigan, um, I signed from, obviously, for £100,000 in, in the summer of, of, of eighty six. Now, I'd broken my leg uh, the year before um, for... Wigan Athletic playing against Preston North End, which was uh, a nasty injury. I, you know, I snapped my tib and my fib. And um, when I arrived at Leicester City, I, I was never fit and ready, really. Um, although I was eager to impress and do well, you know, it wasn't going to be an easy ride at the start because I'd been signed to take over John O'Neill, um, his duties, really, because he was the... Uh, centre-back alongside Russell Osman at the time. So there wasn't a great atmosphere, um, you know, for me being welcomed to the club at the, the at the very start. But I soon became, you know, um, uh, accepted and the lads, you know, I got on well with the lads. I was a lads, I always have been, a, you know, a lads um, kind of player and uh, uh, always they come first for me. And um, we soon grew that affection and... Uh, and, and that was the start. Brian Hamilton obviously was at Wigan Athletic with me, and um, he wanted me to to uh, come down as his first signing. And um, you know, I can I'll never forget going to film. Well, coming down the the M6, you, you come down to the M69, and then you, you you're approaching Leicester, and you, you, all I could remember was that Statue of Liberty. Hmm. And then you pull into the car park, you know, and then Gordon Milne um, was there. Uh, Brian Hamilton had, had, had brought me down uh, with my ex-wife in his car. I remember a silver Mercedes. I can even remember that coming down, you know, and uh, and and that was the initial start. Now I've been told by um, a good friend of mine because I didn't have an agent in them days. Uh, Graham Barrow was a team player at Wigan, and he was my best mate there. And he just said, "Listen, just go down and have a chat with him and see how you feel." And uh, but they wanted me. Leicester wanted me straight away, and they, they were almost cornering me into signing a contract now um, I sat down with Gordon Milne to do the figures and uh, not Brian Hamilton which was uh, strange uh, but obviously he was uh, it was a dual management um, when I uh, came and, and don't forget I I played a, uh, I think Leicester spotted me in the Isle of Man actually because we played in the Manx Cup right. and um, did her Wigan Athletic and that's where I was spotted by Gordon Milne so obviously Milne wanted me and Brian Hamilton so it was a, a winner anyway so I remember going in Milne's office and um, a great great guy he was uh, a, a brilliant guy and um, he offered me um, you know he'd, he'd write down on a piece of paper some figures and um, and every time I'd say no and he'd chuck it over his shoulder every time and I just remember it going straight to the bin and he weren't even looking and, he, and it, by the time we'd, we'd got 16 pieces of paper uh, written, we agreed a contract and it was £300 um, a week, followed by 350 It was a four-year contract, 300 350 400 and £450. I've still got the contract here at home. And uh, and I got three grand a year because it was a four-year contract. So I got three grand a year signing on fee and the usual £10,000 um, every player got for relocation. And uh, that was my contract. And, I, and obviously, I saw every every year of that out uh, when I signed for Leicester. And uh, and that was that was it. I, you know, I made my debut uh, in a draw, uh, I believe, against Luton Town. 
Um, and but that start to the season in in, in 1986, what a start we had. Um, we beat uh, Liverpool, I think, two one. Dalglish played. I remember that because he turned me on the edge of the box and scored one to make it uh, either one one or two one. Um, and we beat we beat Liverpool. We drew. I'm sure one all with Man United. We beat Forest two one, which is always a big game. You know, them them local derbies were were massive in them days, yeah. and uh, I prefer them than playing against Man United and Liverpool. You, you, you know, in a in a certain way of atmosphere and what it was at Filbert Street. Them any local derby was, uh, and, uh, you know, was was unbelievable. I'm sure we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. But um, so, them first sixteen games of the season were absolutely we were flying, and uh, I'd torn my groin. Uh, at the start of the season but managed to get through the games and then suddenly I think it was Coventry away uh, played against Big Cyril Regis and uh, I had a a real good game Um, you know it's a battle and a fight against him and uh, I tore me going completely in that game played on stupidly and that was me out for the rest of the season so I'd arrived and uh, I'd played you know not even half a season really uh, and had to watch us go down and get relegated. So it just plummeted and things went wrong. And uh, I can remember that Oxford away, I think it was, and I was sat on, on the bench just, just watching the, the game with the lads, you know, just I used to go and watch. And, and uh, I think Alan Smith played and I had to watch us get relegated. It was mm. it was soul-destroyed after I'd come, arrived purposely to play in that first division. Um, so... Obviously, that was um, my first season, and um, we had, obviously then there was a long battle for a few years to get in different managers in, um, you know. And I'm sure again we'll go through this, but it was it was difficult times over that period, and I was determined that I was you know I'm no quitter. I wasn't going to give up and say right, you know, I wanted to get back with Leicester, you know, at the top at the top level, and. Uh, you know, like I say, I think it was '94, wasn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> we can't forget well, you, that. You did um, it. You, you did certainly yeah. do it. You certainly got Leicester back to that that top level. We will talk about that that game in '94 uh, a little bit later on yeah. in this episode of Inside the Dressing Room. Walsh, obviously, is our special guest. Who was the funniest dressing room character during your the time funniest. at Leicester? Yes. Yeah. Um, do you know what? There's there's one that really stands out. And it has to be Gary Parker for me. Uh, very funny, you know. He was a classy player, a little bit overweight as well as everyone knew. But oh, what a wonderful football player! But he was charismatic. Um, he was the the prankster and, and trickster, you know, inside that dressing room. Um, you know, you had to be very careful with anything you did. Uh, there was so many things that that. Uh, that he did to everyone, really. You know, it wasn't just me that he'd, he'd, he'd park my car in the manager's spot, you know, in a morning. Take, when I uh, arrived in the car park, he'd take my keys out of my pocket. It'd be in uh, Martin O'Neill's parking space, you know, and just little things like that. You know, I'd, I'd finished training, uh, I'd put my socks on and he'd cut the toes out, you know, my tie would be half cut. Uh, and then I'd, I'd get in the car and uh, after a from O'Neill and um, I'd be on my way home and then about 15 minutes into it I just felt a burning on me uh, on my backside and um, I'd obviously put DP all in in everyone's underpants you know <laughs> boxer shorts <laughs> obviously uh, so it, it was it was funny very funny man um, 
you know, like I say, if you'd have a game of cards, he was he was just a, a typical prankster. He put silly money in and just burn it in a in a sense, you know. Um, so so Gary Parker has to be uh, that that prankster, and, and and yet Savage was just daft, you know. Some of the things that he said and did, you know. Uh, uh, were, were, were he, he was he was funny, but uh, not in the same category as as Gary Parker was for me, and, and obviously I'd you know I'd been from the from when I started, signed in eighty six. There was a few other players who were who were funny, but nothing like uh, Gary Parker. So he's a standalone for me. What did Martin O'Neill used to say when he he used to park your car in his spot? Well, in uncertain terms, it, it was usually a fine, you know, and. Uh, <laughs> He'd obviously thought that uh, he must have known that it, you know I've been set up, but you know it's my car, so he's not gonna he's not gonna come in and say who's done that. You know, Walshy, there you go, it's up to you, but it's your car, mate. You're you're fine. So uh, it was uh, it was a laugh and a joke on on the lads' part, but uh, on mine it wasn't. You know, what was Robbie uh, Savage but, like as well, as well then during when he was Savage. Savage was, you know, he was just playing daft at times, you know. Some of the things he'd come out with and say and, uh, you know, put another ice cube on the fire was one that, that you know, or something that completely bizarre. You know, he used to drive in a in a, a yellow Ferrari that uh, I remember him pulling along, alongside Birch once, this bright yellow uh, Ferrari, I'm sure it was, that he bought. And uh, he just wanted to stand out. And you could see that Sav was... You know, uh, just one of these irritating kind of uh, players who could get on your nerves at times. But he was, it, it, you give him stick, he'd give it you back, and he could give it you back, uh, you know, very well. He could handle mm. it, you know, and and you could imagine the banter in that dressing room with us lot, you know, and you have you had to be able to take a little bit of stick, and, uh, and Sav took more than uh, more than everybody, but he could come back with it all as well, you know. No, fascinating stuff. So from the funniest dressing room character to the best player that you played with during your time at Leicester City. Do you know, obviously I've been a long time and, and there's been a lot of players come through those years, but the, the one, you know, my partner Muzzy is, it has to be the ultimate one that I would, that, that if, if you had to, you know, if I had to pick one player out of the whole lot, it would be him in everything. Um, he just he, he arrived. I remember in '96, and uh, yeah, I just thought this you're, you're very young-looking, uh, thin lad. I, I didn't expect him to be a footballer in any way, but what a player, you know, and what a um, character he was. You know, again, a young lad coming from Chelsea into a big dressing room, big drinking culture, uh, Turkish. And the way he handled himself and grew as a team player and a and a man, you know, through those years with us, and, um, it, and don't forget his skill and you know he, he was different class for me, um, and should have been, you know, I don't know. It was great that he stayed at Leicester City, but I, I, I would have expected, you know, if only for an injury, bad injury for him to to really be at a top, top club, I think, uh, you know, he wasn't allowed to go anywhere uh, by any manager because he was that good of a player. He could mm -hmm. finish he, his energy, his, his, uh, his fitness, his work rate, uh, his mentality, his everything, his touch, you know, he had a trick, he, 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 he could score goals. He was just immense. And um, 
him and Lennon, um, obviously when Lennon signed as well, them two in front of me, you know, they kept me going for another five, six years than I should have really because of the effort and the, and the work rate that they put in. They were, they were uh, absolutely uh, titanic for me. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it was just, the, uh, the, the, you know, the backbone of the team was so solid in, in, in that era. Yeah, they were incredible yeah. players, those two, but particularly <laughs> Muzzy, is it? And I, and I guess, yeah. really, you're probably the best person to ask this question of because of, of your connections with Muzzy, is it? You, you were there throughout his whole yeah. ride at Leicester City. You now see him, obviously, regularly. You're his, you're his work partner. So I guess, as I said, you're the best person to ask what is and what was Muzzy like off the pitch as, as a person? Oh yeah, he's fantastic. You know, great uh, loyalties to his family, and you know, I think his loyalties first of all, you know, to his family. He's got a lovely family with, with kids and uh, settled, and his dad's great. You know, his brother, the whole family who I've come through and obviously got to know very well. Uh, I know him personally, you know, and he's a very, he's, he's tough in a sense of uh, what's, how can I explain it? He's got. His ways and just the way he is, nothing phases him. Nothing. I, I don't see him at home. Or I don't see him ever get upset. He could. He could run a marathon. You know, he's he's slowing down a little bit. He doesn't play as many legends games. And but you see him. He's he's just got. He's got that X factor for me that no one else had. And it, and it's all round with him. You know, from being a person to a funny. He loves a laugh and a joke. He'll, he'll go out with you and he'll drink with you. You know, he'll he, he, he'll slide off. Uh, he's got a great uh, one of one of when we go out and then you know you've had a few beers and he and, and then he just goes messy and he vanishes. <laughs> he doesn't tell you he's going because he knows he won't. You know, we won't let him go. And uh, but very funny man. Um, you know, I can remember him doing a uh, Martin or in when Martin arrived. We we used to uh, do like a, a circle where everyone had to go in and do something funny and uh you know and or do an exercise even you know and uh and muzzy went in the very first time and he squatted down on his kind of knees and did this turkish dance kicking his feet out it was the funniest thing i've ever seen <laughs> and uh and it still stands out to me you know um things obviously i've i've been his partner for a long time so i know he's i know he's how he ticks and how he works and uh we've never had one argument maybe one um you know disagreement but we've never ever had a wrong word ever mm. well that's a good sign isn't it, it shows you what type of a, a person he is and when he, when he was in that dressing room though before games or or during games at half time or or at full time particularly after he's he's done something special on the pitch but he which he obviously did so often what what was he like then in the, in the dressing room after that? Was he quiet about it? What what, what? No, no, he'd be. He was. I'll tell you what. On the pitch, you know, because it started. He was very quiet when he first arrived, and that's until he got to know everybody, and then he settled in and became his own character and his own ways. And uh, he wouldn't stand for any nonsense. He could give it back. He could take it. It could, you know. And you have to be in them days. You had to take it. Ian Marshall, he gives so much to stick out. If you couldn't handle it, then you'd cave in in that, you know, it'd affect you on the pitch. It was that bad. You know, the the banter was that harsh at times that you had to handle it. And if you couldn't, 
you'd fall by the wayside. There's no doubt about that. Um, and the antics and the things that we used to do were just uh, beyond the uh, the joke sometimes, you know. But uh, <laughs> we, we knew, we, you know, when we went out on that pitch that we were all together. And, you know, we'd fight for anything and we'd help each other. And, you know, I can remember... You know, many a games when we were up against it, you know, having a go at Muzzy, come on, Muzzy, dig in. And, you know, Lenny, come on, get yourself sorted out. And, you know, let's let's fight these. You know, remember the, the, the biggest, the, the, the one thing that I remember, and it was uh, Wimbledon, the old Wimbledon. Remember, they were, they had Jones and Wise and uh, Hoff and everyone. And when you played them, you had to physically fight them first. And that was in the dressing room before you even came out. The loud music, the banging on our walls, the oh, they were they were disgusting. They were horrible. And the only way we were going to beat them was by fighting them. And you know that was when I would come into my element. And I tell you what, Muzzy could fight, not in a, a, a way of, of of throwing fists. Lennon, you know, when you're up against it, then you know, I, I would get them going and it wouldn't let them submit or cave in. And we went to Wimbledon once and we beat them. It wasn't in, uh, it was when, it was, yeah, it was an away match at Wimbledon and there was once, when they were playing the music, we came out and I headed, must have been 200 footballs that day. <laughs> I cleared every, it was unbelievable. I had my best game ever for Leicester City, believe it or not. And I, that, I'll never forget that match for, for my performance levels, not for what, it meant uh, because obviously in cup finals that was different but this game was my best ever game for Leicester City and nobody a few people remember it because you know obviously the Leicester fans who were there um, will remember it and you know the manager Martin O'Neill always remember it Uh, Muzzy and all these people will remember it but it was a scrap and a fight Jesus and I'll tell you what Muzzy got stuck in then and everyone we all uh, just, just, and that was the, the decline for Wimbledon for me. And I know it was. It, it, it was the time when they started. After that, they they couldn't handle it. For who were Leicester to come and fight, out fight Wimbledon, you know. And I, I know that that was their decline. And and uh, and every time we played them, then there was always that we had, we had them on the back foot. <laughs> Every time after that, we played them and, and we'd do well. Hesky, I remember Hesky scoring too. And, and, you know, it was it was uh, unbelievable, really was. And, uh, you know, that's a big memory for me, for a character from, is it, Lennon? No, fascinating stuff, Walshie. Uh, who was the yeah. toughest or the best player that you ever played against? But the toughest or the, or the best, you mean? Well, the, the, to- the toughest, um, as in... As in, well, just uh, when when you've come off the the pitch and you're in the dressing room after again, you've gone blimey, he's good. Right, okay, not as in the hardest. Yeah, got you. Yeah, the toughest. Uh, listen, there were so many. You know, in that time and that era. You know, don't forget we played Man United at, 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 in some of the best years, and 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 Chelsea, Arsenal. You know, were tough. You're never going to point away at Arsenal. You know, you look at, at these top top players that in that. Uh, that era that we played against, and um, you know Teddy Sheringham for uh, when he played, he played Tottenham and Man United. I remember, you know, you, you, you'd come off the pitch, you know, you'd had a game. Shearer, Alan Shearer, but in the early days, there was there was Dalglish, Rush, you know, uh, and Steve Bull. You know, he, he was he's got to be in there for me because mm. 
he chased everything. He was just uh, he could finish. He was fast. He was a he was a terrific. But how he never played at the top level in the in the Premier League is is beyond belief. Um, you know, Bergkamp, uh, Zola were. You know, when you when you got these foreign players coming, in, they were at the top of the game. They were flipping good players, and and they were clever players. They were very difficult to play against Zola, especially because of his balance, is is the, the, how quick he was um, over two or three yards. You know, for a big lad like me, um, difficult to play against Bergkamp. His brain was exceptional. He was a genius. Um, so. I, when I look at all these players, I, I can't rule any of them out of it, and, and it's difficult when you've played against the Gigs and the Beckhams and the, you know, I can you can keep going with so many, but you know when I look at it, you know Burkham as in the cleverest player that I've ever played against, and and what a footballer, you know, and a finisher, he had everything, and a and a top, top, top um, international player. So I guess you know when I I reel all those players off, the, the, there's all six or seven, eight of them all in in that category so so it's difficult it's to a just difficult pick question. to just pick that one would that is that who you think it would be then it would be Dennis Bergkamp if you really had to to nail your colours to the mast that would be it oh god I, I, I don't think I could I think all of them that I've mentioned all all deserve the same uh you know the same accolades Hmm. In, in in certain ways, in different ways. So, you know, Teddy Sheringham, again, he was just unbelievable. What a player. And I tell you what, he could scrap and fight, you know, and them years I, I used in t- intimidation and yeah, he just could, he, you couldn't break him. He was such a wonderful player as well. You know, the, the Dalgleish and the, in the early days. And, uh, so, I, I, Dennis Bergkamp just stand out as, you know... <laughs> Later on, in, at the end of my days, clipping top class, you know. So obviously, if I if you had to really pin me down, I'd, I'd possibly put him down. But it's a very close call. <laughs> well done, Molsey. We we got yeah. there just in the end. You can't get it out of me any any better than that because it's the truth. It's it's you know they were top top players, gigs as well. You know he's got to be in there, and, and I just can't can't not. Can't just single one out. No, I mean every single one of the names you said there, incredible players, and it must have been a privilege really for for you to play against them. Um, Obviously, defensively very difficult. So it comes on to this next question quite nicely. So, who or what was the best partnership that you had on the pitch at the club? Again, I've narrowed it down, you know, uh, to two players. To be honest with you, Uh, one is. Uh, my centre half partner, you mean? Is that your, yeah? So it could be your centre half partner, yes. or it could be if if you were on the left of a three, it could be the left wing back, or or it could be the person that you played next to. Whatever was the best on pitch partnership that that you think you had? Well, there's no doubt, Matt Elliott. You know the success that we had with Leicester. Um, he is undoubtedly the best that a um, partner and fit for me that I've ever had. And we hit it off in a way of understanding each other. And, um, you know, there was a good balance between me and Matt Elliott about, you know, I could be the hard man, uh, he could be the footballer. Matt was wonderful a player, great signing, good understanding, great bloke, and, and things just hit off, like I say. Russell Osman, in my first year, 
I've got to give him a massive mention, really. Uh, I had a wonderful understanding with him. He was a terrific player, and he was right up at the, at the you know, with Matt Elliott for me as as the best two centre backs that I've played in. In that, if it was a back four, uh, obviously it'd be a bit. Them two would be my ultimate tags. Definitely comes into the equation playing a different system into a three-five-two, which we'll talk about later. But um, you know, when I look back. You know the, the the just the success that we had with at that time when Matty just arrived, you know, was was great, and we went on to do some good things together. And I'm glad that he he got that opportunity, albeit um, you know it's my fault with the captaincy um, against Tranmere. Um, I'm glad that he got that opportunity. He scored two goals at Wembley. Sim, you know, the same as what I've I've done, and and uh, and he did, he deserves that. Um, you know, because he was a top class. Uh, player was Matty, and uh, he definitely is. Um, you know, he, he's he's got to be the one. Yeah, that's that's interesting that you say that, Walsh, because what was he like in in that dressing room and, and off the pitch, and and what was your relationship? Matty, very cool yeah. character. What was your relationship with him off the pitch? Because obviously, oh, as you said there, that he's similar to to, to Muzzy's, You know, not quite as. As 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 good as as our relationship with Muzzy because I've been together with Muzzy for a long time. But no, Matty is always uh, a, a cool character. Very um, uh, got everyone got on with Matty. You know, he's never had a wrong word to say about anybody. He got on with his football and uh, he was funny. Uh, you know, he, he, there was quite a few in that team in the nineties that smoked. There was about I worked it out. There was eight players, I think, um, that that smoked in them days that had come through the Martin or Neil era, and uh, he was one of them. He, he was my roommate, and uh, obviously, you know, I can remember um, many a times. You know, I'd be trying because I couldn't sleep at night, but I'd go to bed early. I'd have me, pre- you know, me, me uh, sorry. The um, meal the night before, and Dad got straight to my room, straight to bed. Matty would be on his phone till twelve o'clock at night with a cigarette, with his feet up on top of the window, and uh, and then he would just go straight to sleep, you know. Uh, so very, <laughs> very funny he was, <laughs> and but great bloke, you know. And don't forget the size of me and Matty. We were big lads. We liked our food, and uh, but we were full. We were fit, you know. We we I remember having him on my. Uh, back up and uh, we had to do hill runs up um, Bradgate Park and these hill runs were not just they were like 50 yards at least and I had to have Matt Elliott on my back and he had to take me up there and the power that we you know we, we used to finish we beat all the other lads who were you know the runners like Muzzy and, and Lennon and all these up these hills and, and the weight of it because of the sheer power of us could get up there you know um, so, so yeah, Matty was a, a silky football player who, um, you know, like I say, I could I could win the hard battles, and then he could play. He had a great football brain and uh, and, uh, and and a great lad. Yeah. Who was the most influential manager at Leicester City during your time? The, the most. It, it has to be Martin. Uh, you know, it, it has to be. For all that team, if you ask Guppy, if you ask, uh, I'm guessing they'd say that Lennon is a Kmart has, you know, all these marshes. I think they'd all say that more or less, uh, because Martin, when he came and the understanding and the ways that, you know, he's a different type of manager and he was a great, he's fantastic man management skills that were needed. He brought in players like 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 we say Muzzy, Matelia, Sam, you know, Lennon, all these players that he brought in, and nurtured 
and became your best friend and your and your, and your most hated friend at times. You know, he was unbelievable. He knew when to put an arm round your shoulder, you know, and he'd do that with... He had his blue-eyed boys, we used to call it Guppy, uh, Hesky. Um, you know, they were his chosen ones, really. He'd put his arm... He'd never, ever have a go at them. He'd have a go at Lennon, myself... Um, you know, people, and he knew, he understood that we wouldn't break, you see, and that was his skills for me. And when you won a game of football through Martin, you felt like Goliath. You just felt unbeatable. And I can't explain it any different. He was just, uh, he forced results out of you. It's the way he did it. And just, you know, I didn't realise how much he liked me until he wrote the foreword in my book. It's unbelievable, you know, and me and Martin fell out badly. You know, he walked past me in the corridor if I was injured. He didn't want to know me, if you, anyone like that. You know, I had. I remember one incident through my testimony, he was blaming, if we had a result on the, you know, a bad result on the Saturday, he'd have a go at me. And um, I remember following him off the bus. He had. A, he came to the back of the bus, we were playing cards, and um, I think Martin had asked, when are we in next, uh, Gaffer? And he went, well, you better ask your, your, your uh, captain. He's too busy with his testimonial. And I chased Martin off the bus. This was because he used to get off, um, I forget where he used to live now, but down near Wickham anyway. And uh, he used to get off at this hotel that we used to be a popular one that we stayed. And uh, I followed him off. I said, Martin, what's that all about? You know, I don't deserve that. And he just said, I'll f see you Monday. So um, I... Arrived on Monday, you know, obviously I had Sunday to think about it and uh, I still thought he was out of order. Um, and I, he made me wait an hour like he would do outside his his um, his office, the manager's room. And uh, I'd go in and I wasn't looking forward to it, obviously. But um, he, he more or less said something like, uh, you know, like, I don't like you. And, and I said, well, I don't like you either. And and, I, and he and he and he like reached right over the table, and I think I pushed him back in his seat, and walked out. And he went, "Well, she come here, and sit down." And he was putting my arm around me then, and we were we'd, we'd kissed and made up. It was unbelievable, you know. And uh, I brought him a lot of headache. Don't don't get me wrong, you know, off the pitch, um, on it. Uh, so. It was very difficult. I was going through a lot of emotions at the time with, uh, you know, my ex-wife and uh, the drinking was getting out of hand. Um, so Martin had pulled me in many a times. He's bailed me out and helped me. Um, so he has to be number one. And then, uh, and, you know, and, and I've got close affection with Brian Little, who, who was uh, fantastic in that year. Up until Martin O'Neill came, Brian Little was the ultimate uh, you know, number one for me. Um, so I had some wonderful years with, with Brian. I had a lot of respect for Brian Little and, uh, and we were like father and son, me and him. What was the most memorable team talk then, do you think, during your time at the club? Now this can either be before a game at half time, after a game you've won or lost. It, it can be a talk, it can yeah, be a bad so team talk, it, it can be a good team talk. There were so many, honestly, there were so many classics with Martin. Uh, you know, <laughs> he used to sometimes, you, you just didn't know what was going to happen next. Where he'd come in and sometimes, so, you know, normally, you know, you'd, you'd come in an hour and a half before and you'd meet up and he'd name the team. Sometimes he'd name it Friday. Um, 
it was bizarre. Sometimes he'd just come in um, just before we were about to, to warm, just go, right, there's your team, you know. Um, the, the most classic one that I'll never forget was away at Man United. And um, we stayed at uh, the Thistle Hotel, which is right opposite um, the Haydock Park race course, the Man United. And um, we, we always used to go up on a Friday afternoon and we'd train... Uh, when we got up there sometimes so we, we got changed brought our boots down from the hotel walked up under a bridge across the road to Haydock Park now you can imagine the, the the grass is a foot long you know and he's got us on the track and we were doing these unders and overs like kids would do uh, <laughs> you know in two groups and it was a race to, to you know and then we'd have a, a bit of a five side to finish but anyway we come in the dressing room and then it's time to, you know, uh, I'm captain. We, we go into Man United, in to see Alex Ferguson uh, to exchange and the referees' room to exchange uh, the team sheets. That's what you did in them days. And uh, Martin came in and sat us down. And obviously, I didn't know what was going on. And uh, it, it, we're all, obviously, it was a very serious, big game, nerves were... You know, you, you expect it at these big grounds, and and, a, and especially away from home, um, you didn't want to make a fool of yourself, and you wanted to give a good account of yourself at the same time. And uh, Martin, um, you know, proceeded to read the team uh, the team out, and he said, "Right," he said, "If if you, uh, for those of you who are a little bit scared, I'll read the bench out first. It's got Ryan Giggs, Skulls, Beckham, and and there was another one, a top class player." He'd rested four of his players and he didn't read. He said, well, I better not read the, the, the first 11 out then after that. So uh, he said, I'll tell you what, though, we'll go out and beat these. And when we did, we went out and beat them. It was like, and I just remember thinking, Jesus, if anybody could have seen us on the Friday on that Haydock Park race course, watching us train, <laughs> no tactics, nothing, you know, and just what he said motivated you so. right we've got a little bit of a, a trivia question for you now Walshy this is before Martin O'Neill's time crap at trivia you know that yeah this is why I didn't warn you that we were going to have a trivia question <laughs> right um, okay. so the Derby playoff final in 1994 yeah. who was yes. the goalkeeper for Derby that day I'm terrible uh, I can see him now annoying oh God, no, I've, no, I've completely was blank. Martin Taylor. Martin Taylor, of course it was, yeah. yeah. I actually uh, met him after that. He's been great with me. You know, we chatted about the final and that. Great bloke, great fella. The reason I asked you it is because it might be the answer. I don't know to, to the next question. So what was your most memorable game or moment with Leicester City? Oh, God, right. Well, you know, like you said, I've scored so many important goals, so many dramatic goals. Um, now, Derby, for some, so many reasons, for me being out injured and coming back that season and, you know, wanting to get back to the... Um, to, to the first division, the Premier League, because it was the first time in the history of the club that we got to the Premier League. So Derby, that game is synonymous in my, in the history and the of the club and for me personally now i got more of a thrill i don't i think i did scoring that arsenal goal the thrill of scoring that goal the fulham one 
uh, where I'd made a mistake before that meant so much to me. Uh, so it's, it's just uh, these questions are so hard for me to answer because of, of you know, if I put them in categorically, you know, Derby has to be the ultimate, you know. Um, the, then you've got the the, the, the Fulham, that you've got Arsenal, and, you know, you've got that Crystal Palace game that I was my best ever game that I thought I'd play for Leicester City. So... Uh, when you come, you know, lifted the cup, the Coca-Cola Cup. Where does that come into this category? You know, um, so it, it, it's a, it's a very difficult question. And um, yet, I have got for each one of those very special memories, and um, and the bang up there with the adrenaline rush that you get. You know, it's it's just a, a, a the euphoria of of all of those. I can still feel it now. Well, before we get you to name your best eleven players that you played with during your time at Leicester City we've got one more question to give to you and it's one that I'm I'm sure particularly for the era that you played in there'll be lots and lots of of potential nominees but we just need you to pick out one so what was your favourite night out or trip away as a group (laughs) and I'm sure there are plenty of options for this (laughs) it's gonna be it's gonna be La Manga one <laughs> when Collymore was around, uh, that has to be uh, the funniest, the the worst in the sense of of what happened. Um, and but it was you know the story from you know it it would take me twenty minutes to tell the story, and, and we were sent away um, with uh, to, just to have a bit of a break, which Martin Light. He liked us to have these, you know, piss ups come, uh, you know, get get that spirit again high after maybe we'd, if we lost. Sometimes he'd do it to to lift the spirit so that we were together, and that's where we became, you know, when I look back, that spirit was a massive part, and the camaraderie, was, you know, was needed. So he sent us away, but he sent John Robertson in charge, and you know, John Robertson in charge of. Uh, this a lot of lads was just the wrong move from for, from the start. So uh, John Robertson doesn't like flying. He was absolutely sloshed on the airport. He fell off the plane with a few of the others that had been drinking. But me, Phil Gilchrist, Graham Fenton, I think it was, and um, someone else, we wanted to play golf. So uh, I'd not had a drink and I knew by the time I'd come in from the golf that these lads were going to be uh, well oiled um, Colin Moore was, didn't play golf um, so anyway I came back to the hotel after the golf and when I came I came into the, I could hear all the lads in, you know um, in this room and as I walked through the door Gary Lineker was at the bar and he was like just putting his finger across his throat as though, you know, this is bad. (laughs) Um, So John Robertson, Ian Marshall and a couple of the other lads were playing, Neil and I think, playing cards on what table. There was, um, the rest of them were just, they were that loud that um, uh, it was just ridiculous. So I went over to Lineker and I said, these are absolutely wasted, drunk, you know. So... I sat down with Ian Marshall and uh, John Robertson because Robbo was looking after us, and um, it, it was 
we just kept drinking, had a few, and um, Ian Marshall, um, he, he wanted, you know, because there's a curfew on as well, I think it was 12 o'clock, midnight, so uh, Marshy, I can just remember him saying to Robbo, he said, Robbo, uh, ring the gaffer up, tell him we want to extend this curfew because we're having a great time, so uh, Robbo was that pissed, he gave his phone to Marshy, he said, you f***ing ring him, so Marshy rung him, and he obviously never answered, but he left a voicemail, and he and he said, uh, said he said, hey, Gaffer, the lads are having a great time. Can you extend this curfew?" And uh, and then put and, and put the phone down. So imagine that you know Martin O'Neill waking up listening to to, to this uh, message. So that was that, and we got that loud that we got moved into a piano room. Uh, by this guy came up to me and said look there's other guests here I've got to put put you in a different room and it was in a piano room so that was you know led to more drinks being uh, consumed and we were by ourselves we thought there was a couple actually and someone was playing the piano we turned it into a karaoke we took over and um, it was great we were singing we were dancing and uh, I was you know sat next to Collie Moore and uh, all of a sudden, uh, there were a few lads were drinking, and Mick Yeoman, who's the physio at the time, he was on the like dance floor, and we were just having a laugh, and just the lads. And um, Colin Wood had a fire extinguisher that he was sat next to, just suddenly picked it up and blasted it uh, into the room. But it, it was right, it, the, the whole, this white cloud filled the room. So the, the evening's finished now. Uh, we get up, we know... We were told that we were going to be doing a bit of training. Uh, I brought my boots down in my hand and I was walking down through reception and uh, John Robertson sat there looking serious and they said, Walshie, we're not, I'm captain, obviously, we're not training uh, today. And I thought, thank for that because we're, we're all, you know, pissed. He said, and then he went, we're going home. <laughs> I said, what? Said, and we couldn't kind of remember too much about it. I, I obviously, I could. Um, you know, it all came back to me within an hour. Um, and, and then, bizarrely enough, we'd seen, obviously, Lineker the night before. Pontus Kamar was with a Swedish, uh, you know, some Swedish camera crew. Uh, God knows what he was doing. They'd been taking some picture of us lot <laughs> during the night before. So they had evidence of, of things going on, shenanigans. And uh, so it was, it was a problem. And anyway, I just remember thinking... We're going home to see Martin now. We're in trouble. And um, that's when, when I got to the, uh, we, you know, all the way back, we were just hangover, got back to the, you know, we'd flown back. We'd gone to sketch the Grange. And that's when the back, we were all in like a conference room waiting for an hour, as you would with Martin. He flew through that back room, took his jacket off, like I said, lambasted Marshy, you know, and, and, you know, you ever ring my phone again, that's you'll never play for this football club again and um he said to uh obviously Colin Moore you know because he could stand he's falling back into his old ways of getting in trouble um and obviously me as captain I have to because I usually have to control all the lads you know I'm last man standing so I'd always get some stick and um and you know we all got fired a couple of weeks wages and uh, it was in the press and, and everything. Leicester City are, are uh, in disgrace. So um, it, it wasn't good. 
But, uh, still, but, but, but still a very memorable trip away, I'm sure. Very memorable trip, brilliant trip. <laughs> One thing that we're getting all of our guests on inside the dressing room to do is, is to pick their, their My 11, so their, their best 11 players that they played with during their careers. Now, it doesn't necessarily yeah. um, all have to be Leicester players, but obviously for you, you spent most of your career, pretty much all of your career at, at Leicester with the Foxes, so I'm presuming your team will be made up by just Leicester players. <laughs> yeah, so, it, well, it has to be all um, Leicester. You know, when I think back, I, I had wonderful times at Wigan Athletic, don't get me wrong. Um, some great players, fantastic players, you know, but when you're picking the best, that I've been with it's all Leicester you know I can't say Coventry or, or Norwich is going to give me any any uh, uh, players that, that apart from you and Roberts and Tony Cotty when I went there who I admire to be honest with you because it, it was that much of a bad time and a, and a slide down for me but let's be positive and, and be happy because uh, when I look back like I say wonderful times and um, the, the 11 that I've picked um, I, I think I had a dilemma at the start with the keeper because Tim Flowers and Kevin Poole were the two uh, keepers that I can't really choose between. But I'm, I'm gonna—I have to favour Kevin Poole because I played a little, I had a little bit more time with him um, than, than Tim Flowers, and I can tell you, Kevin Poole was unbeatable especially his, his attitude in training. You just couldn't score past him. You know, Tim Flowers, same in training, you know, but what a, a fantastic keeper. So I think that he was more Matt Elliott's generation rather than mine, Tim Flowers. And Kevin Poole um, has to uh, be my uh, number one if I'm picking one out of them too. So, so that's that. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm looking at you know a manager obviously or Martin O'Neill as we've said the the three five two shape if we if 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 you call it that um, my three centre backs obviously uh, I don't come in that so we've got Matt Elliott and we've got Russell Osman in between them possibly and Tags on the left side so but Osman could play right side and, and Elliott could you could still go in the middle I don't know but is them and my three centre-backs that I have to pick Elliot as I said I've gone through all those reasons Russell Osman top class footballer uh, in them de in them days as well such a silky you know technically gifted both feet football player striker ball you know 40 yards it's just his vision his awareness his reading of the game top class centre-back and, and when tags came raw tags um, you know just developed quickly. He came in to take my place, and and I kept going a few more years. He he, he kind of kicked me up the arse in a way. I wasn't going to stand. I wasn't going to let him take my place until you know you you stretched me you know off the off the pitch. So it, it it became apparent that I had to retire at some point. But Tags really stepped in nicely, and he started scoring a few goals, and um, and he and he he was terrific, you know, and and showed me. That he was a top class player, and uh, so obviously then I look at me uh, wing backs really, and, and I've got a guppy got, got a, to go straight in there. When I look back, there was some terrific left backs in them days, and it and it was more four four two in that in in that respect when I first started. Um, but you know when we played the system with myself playing uh, Guppy was uh, phenomenal he, he's just his his work rate and, and work ethic his, his football brain his uh, determination how he crossed the ball 
you know, was absolutely um, one of the best crosses of a ball that um, and one v one players that I've ever seen. Uh, Kmart was oh, instrumental. He was, you know, he was like a, an artist for me. Uh, you know, Van Gogh, if you will, in, in, a, in a sense of uh, brilliant lad. One of the fitted into an English culture, which was a drinking culture. And he was, he was part of a pharmaceutical company. He used to have about five, 15, sorry, after training, 15 vitamins, he called them. We call them vitamins, he called vitamins. And um, I used to watch him eating, you know, the, the right foods. He was the ultimate professional and what a player. But he'd also be one of the lads and he'd come out and he'd have a drink. He was a character, um, charismatic, very funny. Um, and we got on really, really well uh, with Qantas, but what a player. And I'll never forget the tactics O'Neill did on Janino when, uh, when we won that uh, when we won the Coca-Cola Cup. It was a uh, classic, and for me, K-Mark's got to be in there. Um, so you look at your midfield now, you know, I can't... I'm going back to my early days, like I said, with Russell Osman. I'm going Gary McAllister, one of the best techniques of, of striking a ball that I've ever seen. He's a great golfer. And uh, he used to used to use a one iron. Now, left and right foot. I used to. He just reminded me of how he struck his golf balls with that one iron. He was a wonderful football player. He could he could score free kicks. He was uh, uh, just a terrific player. He wasn't the bravest, but what a what a player. And, and what was he? What was he like off the pitch as well, Gary McCoy? Oh, fantastic! Yeah, he was a, a great. He loved to to dress well. He was a a, a, a great character, funny. Um, a Scotsman, true Scotsman, and uh, he was he was just brilliant. You know, one of the lads he'd like a drink with us. He'd, he'd keep himself very respectful. Was Gary um, a very great gentleman, if you will, and uh, a great ambassador of the game. Um, you know, so brilliant guy. And then you, you go to Is it and Lennon? I can't say any any more about Is it and Lennon. Um, the work rate, the phenomenal energy they had and brought the the. The fight they had and the love for this football club, you know, they are right in there without any shadow of a doubt. Um, Heskey up front has to be um, my number one uh, out of every striker that's been at the club. Um, just I've watched him come through from a kid. I've watched him cry on the pitch at Southampton when O'Neill had a go at him and, uh, you know, I'm the captain, I've got to help him. Um so he's come through everything and he, he, he was absolutely frightening in training. I used to hate it playing against him. Uh, he had pace. He, had, uh, he, was, he, was, he was very raw, a little bit like Tags and, and, and then got nurtured a little bit. I wish he'd have stayed longer. I think he'd have been a, a better player if he'd have stayed longer. I do. I really do. Um, but he went on to surpass a lot of uh, you know, uh, he won a lot with, uh, with Liverpool, and uh, he, you know, had a wonderful career. But I still think he could have been a better player than what he was, and that's that's a big, um, you know, uh, thing to say about someone who who has been a fantastic footballer. Um, so when I picked the very last one, you know what? It's it's so difficult. I think. I'm, you know, I'm sided on the on Collymore, but when I look at Ewan Roberts and Ian Marshall, um, see, I didn't see enough of Stan. I was only with Stan Collymore for, you know, not long anyway, because he had a, a terrible uh, ankle injury at Derby County away when he dislocated his ankle, shocking injury. And Stan came here and he fitted in with our lads because I think that no one would 
accept him otherwise, you know, because he'd been big time and he loved to be the number one. He wasn't the, the top dog anymore. And uh, I remember his very first away trip that we had. I'm just throwing a story in here. Um, Ian Marshall, um, obviously, he was a he was a character as well. Um, he was on the team bus. I'd come on last because I was the captain, and sometimes I would I'd have to speak to the manager. So we're getting ready to travel away. So uh, Marshall sat at the back with Muzzy Lennon and everyone. Card school's always there, and um, Stan got on the bus and. Uh, you know, um, said, you know, where can I, where should I sit, lads? And Marshy said, oh, sit here. And that's my, I've had this seat 14 years on that bus. No one, you know, sits in my seat. And uh, Marshy had, had plonked him in my seat for a laugh. And uh, so I got on the bus and I'd, and I'd seen him stand right at the back. I put my stuff and I said, Stan, listen, mate, I've had that uh, seat 14 years now, or whatever, 12 years. And um, I'd appreciate it if you just moved over there. And uh, he thought I'd wind up. Said, "Stan, you know, just I want you to move, mate." So Marsh is there chuckling, and Muzzy and Lennon and everyone laughing their heads off. And uh, it, it, it was funny when I look back, you know. But uh, he, he moved, and uh, and he knew that you know uh, uh, that I was captain. I was top dog really then at that time. And uh, he, he he like he got on with it, and he accepted it, and became one of us. Did Colin Moore? And I think we helped him in a lot of ways, you know. Uh, but when I look back, though, when Marshall was there longer, so I'm tempted to throw Ian Marshall as my um, as my last uh, choice because I've just changed my mind slightly from Collymore. But you know, what can I say? Can I keep them both in or not? Do I have to pick one of them? You have to pick one. I'm afraid. Right. Well, I'm. I'm do you know what? I'm going to take Marshall then uh, for for a whole lot of reasons. And he was underestimated, was Marshy. He, me and him in training were a handful. And I played up front and I remember the Fulham goals. We used to call ourselves smash and grab me and Marshy because we were awkward to play against. We could finish, you know, with our feet and our heads. And um, in training, we enjoyed a spell playing together. So, do you know what? I'm going to put Ian Marshy and change my mind from Stan Collingwood because of um, what Marshy gave us. I played against him. He scored against me for Ipswich a couple of times. He was a handful, and people underestimate what a, a terrific player, what a goal, you know, in Madrid. Although, um, you know, I'm still a disappointed in that picture that is on one of the walls in the club where Marsh is scoring against um, Atletico Madrid, remember? And I'd laid it on a plate for him, and I was just out the screenshot. <laughs> I think Hesley was on, and, and uh, Marshy Lennon, I think. So I was a bit disappointed with that. But we've always assisted. You know, I can remember them Fulham goals that we got back into that game was purely from the training ground for me and Marshy. Just the last minute, we go up from. I'd win a header and laid it on a plate for him, and he put it in the net, and he did the same for me. So I'm going to put Marshy in. Well, what, a, what an 11 that is. So Kevin Poole in goal, Matt Elliott, Jerry Taggart, Russell Osman as the three central defenders, Steve Guppy and Pontus Kamark as your wing-backs with Gary McAllister, Neil Lennon, Muzzy is it in midfield, one midfield trio, that is, and Emil Heskey and Ian Marshall up front. So a very, very good 11 there, Walsh, in a very nice way to end our episode of Inside the Dressing Room with you. I hope you enjoyed Good. it as much as the fans, I'm sure, listening in will have enjoyed yeah. it as well, looking yeah, back at your time. Like at the club. I say, I've had a wonderful career at Leicester and, uh, and I love the place. So it's fantastic memories and uh, they'll stay with me forever. This was an LCFC radio production of Inside the Dressing Room. 
To hear more episodes with former Leicester City players, please subscribe to our podcast from all your usual podcast providers. Thank you for listening, and if you enjoyed it, share the podcast with your friends, family, and fellow members of the Blue Army who might enjoy it too.